Welcome to Yale Cancer Center Answers with your hosts, Drs. Anise Chagpar, Susan Higgins, and Stephen Gore. Dr. Chagpar is Associate Professor of Surgical Oncology and Director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. Dr. Higgins is Professor of Therapeutic Radiology and of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences. And Dr. Gore is Director of Hematological Malignancies at Smilo and an expert on myelodysplastic syndromes. Yale Cancer Center Answers features weekly conversations about the research, diagnosis, and treatment of cancer. And if you'd like to join in, you can email your questions and comments to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. This week, it's a survivor story from Bill May, and here's Dr. Stephen Gore. Tell us a little bit about your cancer story. Well, my story started uh, in 2014 and uh, had abdominal pain that uh, I had would ignore it for about three months. And when I finally went in, they discovered that it uh, it was a uh, cancer in the cecum. Wow, and, uh, that's part of the colon. Right, and uh, we uh, proceeded with a right-hand colectomy in December of 2014. From there, it was determined it was metastasized uh, to my liver and uh, abdominal cavity. And uh, for the last 14, 13, no, 14, 15 months, I've been undergoing uh, chemotherapy in various forms. Wow. So that must tell us about how that um, that first diagnosis must have really been a shocker, I would think. It hit me pretty hard. And it, uh, in retrospect, you know, I had a family history of, uh, of things going wrong in col- colonoscopies, and uh, it kind of dissuaded me from getting my colonoscopy. And you mean people uh, had bad experiences with colonoscopy? Yes, I uh, had several family members that had tears during the procedure. And, really? Uh, it uh, really frightened me against going in and getting things done. And in retrospect, that was a bad decision on my part. And uh, so when I did finally have the colonoscopy, the, the cancer was discovered. Hmm. Was there a family history of colon cancer? No, not at all. Not no. at all. Yes. So how old were you when this happened? I was uh, 56 when diagnosed. Oh, very young. Yes. Yeah. So, um, wow, that's a little bit of a kick yourself moment, huh? Yeah, really, um, really opened my eyes as to, uh, you know, we're, we're all here on a limited basis. And uh, so what I've been doing is my best to try and um, make a difference in the world through uh, by giving back to others, selfless service, and quite frankly, it's might have been the best year of my life in this last year. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to want to hear uh, and talk to you more about your service work, um, but but just back to your your story. How are things going with the the chemotherapies, and how are you feeling? And uh, I, the uh, the initial treatment was with uh, Folfox therapy for that's six a, months. That's a multiple agent chemotherapy regimen for our audience. It was a little uh, caustic to me. I came off of that. Uh, it was successful in reducing the tumor size. Uh, then I went on to Zolota, the maintenance drug. For, that's an oral chemotherapy drug, right? Yes, and that was uh, about a four-month course of treatment. There was uh, some minor growth associated with that treatment. I moved to Fulfiri. Another uh, multi-agent chemotherapy right. regimen. Uh-huh. And that had some mixed results, both tumor growth and uh, tumor reduction. And uh, now I'm back to uh, the Folfox uh, regimen for the last month. Hmm. You look fantastic. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I uh, really uh, get up every day and thank thank God that I'm uh, still able to get up and, and uh, do what I do best. And um, 
I get inspired by my work and to, to hope to inspire others to to go out and help each other. So tell us about your work. Well, uh, I was a, a career uh, Army officer. I was a Black Hawk helicopter pilot for 24 years. I served proudly, um, both in the active Army and the National Guard. I took a uh, brief 12-year uh, stint as a brand strategist uh, here in Connecticut. And then um, really when I was diagnosed, I decided to go full-time with a charity that I had started uh, here in Connecticut in 2012, and it's called House of Heroes. Um, we uh, mission is to recognize, honor, and serve military and public safety veterans and their spouses for their uh, sacrificial service to our country. Uh, so over the last four years here in Connecticut, we've helped 61 veterans with more than $500,000 worth of no-cost home improvement, and I've done that with organizing teams of volunteers, over 500 volunteers, over 100 contractors, uh, and the generosity of many great uh, companies and businesses here in the state of Connecticut. On a national basis, we've uh, helped over 900 veterans uh, in 20 different states. So extremely proud of our work with House of Heroes. So is it a little bit like Habitat for Humanity for, for veterans? or? Yes, it's a little bit different than that. It's one-day home improvements. We call it making a difference in a day. So uh, we identify veterans that own their home, have a physical or financial need, and have been honorably, honorably discharged. We put together a team of 20 to 30 people, um, five to 10 uh, contractors, mechanics that are licensed to do code work for electrical, plumbing, and such. And uh, we hit the house in one eight-hour day, and we transform uh, veterans' lives. And uh, about one-third of our recipients have been uh, surviving spouses. So hmm. there's quite a few... Uh, 90-year-old uh, World War II surviving sure. spouses out there that need a little help, and uh, it's been some of our most rewarding work. Hmm. Can you give us some examples of the, the kind of scope of work that can get done in a day? Are you redoing kitchens? Are you fixing the electricity or air conditioning? Or we, We've done a great amount of projects. We've, we've built decks. We've painted houses. We've renewed electrical systems. We've redone plumbing. Uh, actually, in the town of Westbrook, we counted a veteran that had lived for eight years without water and heat. Um, in the course of a several months project in conjunction with many different organizations, we were able to restore this uh, Vietnam veteran to a livable uh, household with heat and water, and uh, she's now doing great. But we've helped um, many different veterans, a 95-year-old World War II veteran that was a uh, bomb disposal expert. Mm. Uh, he had some great stories of... Uh, sappers. Weren't they called sappers or something like that? Something with an S. Yeah, the sappers, I think, were the engineers uh, oh, gotcha. part of this. But uh, he spent over 300 days wandering uh, Europe, um, disabling bombs and uh, uh, landmines. He actually told me the story where the, the, the bombs sometimes landed inverted, where the fuses were down. He had to get into the fuse wow. to disarm it. He would uh, dig a hole under the bomb. He would sand his fingertips. He would then feel for the serial number to uh, determine that the six digit was a four. And if it was, then you know, the bomb was booby trapped. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, that, that sounds very dangerous. And, <laughs> and, and he no looks, joke, right? Yeah, he looks at me and he says, we lost a lot of men. So yeah, I've heard I mean, about that. These, uh, these World War II veterans, the Korean uh, War veterans, uh, these people have paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, for our country. And we're just so proud to be out and honoring them and their surviving spouses. Hmm. 
you know, the 911, uh, post 911 veterans have a, uh, you know, a, a tough road to climb here, uh, getting back and integrated back into society. A lot of them plagued with uh, PTSD. Uh, so we've helped a number of veterans uh, get their house, restore their house to safety, uh, accessible condition, and help them deal, kind of take the load off their mind, uh, uh, you know, to, to help them heal in a quicker manner. Yeah. And, and how uh, do you become aware of the veterans in need or their spouses? Do they uh, apply for help or is it through word of mouth? A lot of our references uh, come from veterans organizations, VFWs, American Legions, uh, DAVs. We have uh, a small percentage now being uh, referred to us via the VK, VA healthcare system. Uh -huh. So as we're expanding in the state, we're getting more uh, well known for our work, and uh, you know, uh, people are actually stepping up to refer veterans, which is great because you know, veterans really or standoffish regarding help they they think they can do it all on their own and you know the fact of the matter as in my case we're all going to need a, a leg up somewhere down the road and a hand up uh, and um, so it, it's really uh, great to be involved with that it energizes me it gives me the strength to carry on and really not just survive what I'm going through with cancer but to to thrive hmm. now you mentioned that uh, some of the help has been uh, national and not in Connecticut. Is is your organization, was it started in Connecticut and it spread, or, or are you like a branch of a national organization? The national organization was started outside the gates of uh, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, Columbus, oh, Georgia, uh -huh. in the year 2000. Um, and uh, it started out small. The original intent of the congr uh, congressional delegation of Georgia was to have a chapter in each uh uh, congressional district in the United States. So we have five chapters, and so 400 more to go. Uh, but I'm, I'm also national chairman of uh, the organization, and my goal is really to now build an easy button for uh, veteran service. So I'm envisioning an online system that could enable people to honor a veteran in any community across the country, anytime, by simply coming on to our website, following our processes and procedures, and hopefully we can be helping thousands of veterans across the country in the next couple of years. I'm sure that many of our listeners uh, would be interested in uh, learning how, A, to hopefully donate uh, if, they, if you accept donations on the web or by paper, and, and B, they may know veterans who could need some help. So how do people get a hold of your organization? And Our, uh, our website is the, the place where we can uh, accept the recommendations for veterans. You can sponsor a veteran there. You can donate and you can vol volunteer. Our website is hohct.org. HOH for House of Heroes, CT for Connecticut, HOHCT.org. Yes. Well, that's great. Um, hopefully, we have some website where that may be able to be connected to as well. I'll have to ask our PR people about that, but HOHCT.org. So um, you were involved with this before your diagnosis, it sounds like. Is that right? Or, or with the House of Heroes, you were yes. doing this work before you, you, you developed cancer? Yes, we started this uh, with my uh, partner, Steve Cavanaugh, uh, in the year 2012 here in the state. So we've been active for four, four and a half years at this point. And it sounds like somehow uh, your diagnosis has energized your focus on the work? Yes, uh, actually, I decided to give up my uh, 
my branding career and to uh, come full-time with House of Heroes in an effort really to drive it to a larger organization, and a nationwide organization, and to help as many people as we can. So that's my mission in life at this point. Why do you think, um, if, if you have insight into this, uh, how did the impact or how did the diagnosis of cancer impact on these life choices? Was this kind of an existential moment for you about, you know, really understanding that, that regards to the outcome of therapy, all of us have limited time and how you want to spend your time or what was the process like for you? Well, um, or did it just make sense somehow? To me, it just made sense to if 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 I had limited time uh, to really figure out how I could help as many people as I can along the way. Um, I get inspired by uh, by uh, many things, many people. I've been uh, been lucky to be mentored by some general officers, Vietnam era veterans in my life that really have grounded me in 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 the meaning of selfless service. Um, I drew some inspiration just last week from a former uh, Navy SEAL uh, commander. His name's uh, uh, Jocko uh, Willinks, and uh, he he had a podcast uh, called uh, Good, and uh, he has an interesting philosophy in life. And uh, he says that you know when he was a SEAL commander. People used to bring him all kinds of their problems, both personal and professional. And when they would tell him the problems, he would look at him and say, "Good." <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that was really kind of the basis of, of my leadership style in the Army as well, where, you know, there's you have a problem in your life, you just say the word good. And, and well, why is it good? I didn't get promoted. Well, good, you have the opportunity to get better. Um, you know, so uh, the whole idea of this uh, having a mindset that no matter what problems you have in your life, you just say the word good. Even if you can only mutter it, it means that you still have some breath left. And if you have breath left, you have some fight left in you. And you get up every day, you dust yourself off, you reload, you recalculate, you recalibrate, you reengage, and you go on the attack and you, in my case, get the strength to go out and help as many people as I can. Well, Bill, we're going to want to pick this up uh, after our break. But right now, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. This year, over 200,000 Americans will be diagnosed with lung cancer. More than 85% of lung cancer diagnoses are related to smoking, and quitting even after decades of use can significantly reduce your risk of developing lung cancer. Clinical trials are currently underway at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as the Yale Cancer Center and at Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale New Haven, to test innovative new treatments for lung cancer. Advances are being made by utilizing targeted therapies and immunotherapies. The BATTLE-2 trial at Yale aims to learn if a drug or combination of drugs based on personal biomarkers can help to control non-small cell lung cancer. This has been a Medical Minute brought to you as a public service by Yale Cancer Center and Smilo Cancer Hospital at Yale New Haven. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Center Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore, and I'm talking tonight with my guest Bill May about his experience with cancer and about his important work uh, in the House of Heroes uh, of Connecticut uh, charitable organization, uh, which provides uh, 
help in rehabilitating housing problems for veterans and survivors, uh, um, spousal survivors of veterans. Bill, uh, you were telling me uh, before the break uh, about this uh, inspirational mentor uh, or uh, person you've met recently, or it was a mentor who told you about this good approach? It was just a, it was a podcast. It was, it was the podcast. Found it on YouTube. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> so this was, this, uh, this was recently. So um, this wasn't something that, that you could do. Uh, I'm just going back to when you were diagnosed with cancer. Do you think now with your new approach, would you have been able to, to bring out that good right away? Or It's really been uh, uh, my whole life's been about uh, the idea of positive thinking, uh, really influencing things for the better. So uh, ever since the diagnosis, I, I truly have been um, keeping positive and it's just my style of life. And uh, hopefully it's worked for me so far. Um, so we'll continue to see what happens. How long did it take you from the time when you learned you had cancer to get yourself onto a let's take care of this positive one step at a time forward moving motion? Microsecond. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I don't let things get me down. I, I, I view everything as an opportunity to to excel to um, to have growth to learn uh, so uh, I I think I can beat this I, I remain positive that I can beat this and so are you well, one of those stoic veterans you were telling us about uh, it, it's I'm, I'm sure it has to do with a veteran but I think it does have to do with a warrior mentality of uh, you know we we will not be defeated we will continue to drive on hmm. yeah I remember um I don't know, about 20 years or so, uh, one of the uh, actresses, I don't remember whom, who uh, who had breast cancer, wrote a book uh, or a movie of, was called First You Cry. Uh, I'm trying to remember who that was. Uh, that wasn't your experience. You didn't have that moment of why me? And No, it's, it, it's, it, I, I've not. Uh, you know, and through the through the 14 months of chemo, there's been ups and downs to, you know, the revelations that it's being reduced and then the revelation that it's grown and then the revelation that it's mixed so while you know i was told at the beginning that there would be eight different uh, drugs that can be used to help me and we have a lot of opportunity and the research is right down the road you know in retrospect 14 months later i'm down to really one drug that's been able to help me and uh you know, statistically, um, you know, I've been told that, uh, you know, uh, one in 10 will survive past the five-year point. Um, you know, I, I, hope, I hope to be one of those numbers. I hope to drive on, and I'm really encouraged by the research that's coming down the road. Uh, I would, um, I, I've been encouraged by the uh, medical marijuana program and the attributes of uh, the benefits of that here in the state of Connecticut and the research that's been done internationally. And uh, it's my hope that we can get on with that in the United States and uh, get medical cannabis reduced from uh, Schedule uh, 1 drug down to Schedule 2 so we can get on with this research to see that it's been, you know, centuries of, of uh, work and uh, benefits of medical marijuana, the support of the American Medical Association, you know, it's time to get on with this research. Hmm. Have you been using medical marijuana? Yes, I'm a, a participant in the medical marijuana program here in Connecticut, and it's about 8,600 participants so far. Hmm. 
and how do you feel that it helps you? Well, uh, for me, um, you know, it comes in many forms, and uh, once you get over the uh, the stigma of medical marijuana that's been developed in the United States uh, since it's uh, moved to the Schedule One in 1942, uh, um, you know, you understand that it can be great help in uh, pain relief, um, uh, sedation, uh, uh, reducing anxiety, uh, increasing appetite. Uh, all those are just some of the many benefits of, of what I've learned. And, um, you know, I'm a big proponent. I, I, I hope to, uh, to assist wherever I can in, in getting as many veterans involved in this program, especially in the use of uh, uh, for PTSD in our mm. young veterans. Did you get support from your medical practitioners and oncologists in your uh, use of medical marijuana? Was there pushback? Um, you can be honest. <laughs> uh, I, I think that um, I think that many of our uh, hospitals are guided by uh, conservative practices regarding medical marijuana at this point. Uh, there's uh, I'm, in fact, uh, attempting to find an oncologist that can uh, help me get involved in a, a trial of, uh, of tumor regression using high uh, THC and high CBD uh, content um, oils. To uh, There's been research that shows that it's uh, reduced cancer uh, in, vi in vivo and in, in the mice. So uh, there's been some, some encouraging studies in the reduction of breast cancer. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I'm all for it, and I look forward to, get to participating in research that might shed a light on what this could help for our colorectal cancer. But I'm gathering from your answer that you didn't find a lot of support in your practitioners particularly. Uh, I've not found an oncologist that's uh, willing to step up to do the study so far, but I'm just weeks into my journey at this point. So, um, Are your oncologists aware that you use medical marijuana? Yes, yes. And how has their approach been with that, the response? Okay, as long as you let uh, us know? Or? It's really kind of hands-off approach at this mm -hmm. point. Um, there's uh, uh, very few doctors that I think that are well acquainted with the re recent research. And, um, you know, I think they're limited, of course, by, you know, the overall hospital and research facilities' attitudes towards medical cannabis. Right. I mean, I, I can I can tell you that um, at Yale New Haven, uh, there's active engagement in having a more coherent policy or any policy because they're, uh, in some ways, everybody was caught with their pants down a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Probably shouldn't have been, but um, you know that there was a need for a coherent policy, and um, uh, there we're evolving a policy that that's better than the policies we had, which was none. Um, but the, the problem is that, that currently, uh, while uh, we don't necessarily discourage appropriate use of medical marijuana, uh, it can't be used in the hospital. So for our patients who have become really reliant upon it, that's a challenge mm -hmm. for us right now. And I'm sure that we're similar to many other, uh, you know, well-meaning uh, and uh, excellent institutions that are just haven't really figured this out yet. So we really need people like you to teach us uh, the benefits um, Obviously, we're a little off topic today, but I but I think it's important to talk about. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, I was speaking with the commissioner of uh, consumer protection that runs the medical marijuana program here in our state, and uh, their view is that um, 
you know, medical marijuana research could be the next big economic boom for the state of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, Converting the tobacco fields? <laughs> well, n n not the growing of it necessarily. Teasing, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the research to accomplish that. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that's a next great opportunity uh, for us all mm -hmm. uh, to really step up, uh, re-energize um, research here in Connecticut and perhaps become the nation and the world's leader in understanding the value of this plant uh, for medical purposes. In your work in House of Heroes, do you run into many veterans uh, or spouses who have cancer, uh, or is that not something that really comes up? Uh, everybody has their own story, and I'm actually absolutely amazed by the numbers that this cancer is affecting people. So uh, when I tell my story, I don't I don't tell it to um, to gain sympathy or 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 I I, I I'm I tell it to instill a sense of urgency in people to recognize that we all have limited time here. Some of us have accelerated schedules. <laughs> uh, but get out there and help one another. Just you know, reach out and help your neighbor. And um, if, if we could all just reach out and help the person standing next to us, uh, you'll be amazed at what you get back. In the, in the 14 months that uh, I've dedicated myself to doing this, um, I've 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 gotten ten times what I've trying to give. I can't give give more because people keep on giving back to me, and it's just been an amazing year of my life. Mm. Um, so I would encourage everybody to get out there and and help help each other. I'm guessing you were kind of a giving person before your diagnosis as well. Am I incorrect there? You know, it, in retrospect, my. I was really not raised to give. No, uh, uh, you know our, our 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 forefathers were, you know, scrounged for everything they have, and they weren't necessarily the most giving people in the world. But they certainly gave to me a lot of love, and um, and now I'm I'm trying to use that as an example to to love those outside of your family and to bring in perfect strangers and to give them a hug every now and then, and it's been working for me. So this has been a change for you, really. Yes. Yes, I believe so, but I've always been been giving, and I, I uh, but now I can't can't give enough. Well, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, I think a, a lot of times, uh, you know, a, a big life change or an illness, you know, does help us. Um, I mean, the positive side of it, is it does help us kind of assess where we're at and sort of meaning of life and quality of life and what what's most important. It's it's. Uh, I think maybe one of the messages that we, I think you eloquently gave just a minute ago is for everybody, regardless of your health status and age, to kind of take stock um, about, you know, what's your life like and are you satisfied with the equation and is there enough giving? Right. And uh, no, matter, no matter what's happening in your life, don't let it get you down. Uh, remain positive. Reach out to others and... Life will take care of itself. Yeah. So how do you um, find balancing the sort of treatments and side effects and this very important work you're doing? Is it hard to get your schedule done? And yes. Do you drag yourself out of bed sometimes? Or Yeah, you know, the, the, the um, full Fox treatments really kind of it's drag tough. me down for uh, a couple of days. The 
the carrying around the pump for 46 hours after the infusion treatment is kind of a mental, uh, you know, wear and tear. Just uh, knowing that it's there. Just knowing that you're attached to machine really kind of plays with my mind every now and then. Um, and then kind of the, the, the general fatigue and nausea that might be associated with it for the following couple, three days. Uh, so I... I I'm tasked with traveling around the country this year. We're executing House of Heroes projects in Illinois, Ohio, North Carolina, Texas, and Louisiana. Um, I want to do 20 projects here in Connecticut. I want to do three projects in Delaware. Um, so we're really going out around the country this year and trying to schedule the travel with the, the treatments every two weeks uh, is a challenge. but. Um, you know, we're going to work it out. I got a great team of people that help me, my family, my friends, and uh, we all share tasks. And uh, we just merely get it done, and we get it done in an excellent manner. So. so it's important to have a support network as well. My family and friends are amazing, and uh, I can't get enough of them. I think he who dies with the most friends wins. So I'm out there to um, uh, make as many friends as I can. Bill May is a cancer survivor. We invite you to share your questions and comments. You can send them to canceranswers at yale.edu, or you can leave a voicemail message at 888-234-4YCC. And as an additional resource, archived programs are available in both audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We'd like to thank the Yale Cancer Center for providing production support for this program, and we'd also like to thank Renee Gaudet, Emily Fenton, and the staff of the Yale Broadcast and Media Center. I'm Bruce Barber, hoping you'll join us again next Sunday evening at 6 for another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers here on WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas.